Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Beyond Zero is Toyota's vision of a carbon-neutral future and more. Toyota gives you the power to reduce carbon emissions and help move toward its vision with a wide selection of electrified vehicles. Whether you're into hybrid EVs for that traditional Toyota feel with better MPG, battery EVs for a smooth and silent ride, or plug-in hybrid EVs that switch between battery and fuel, Toyota has you covered. And for those who prefer hydrogen, Toyota's fuel cell EVs emit nothing but water vapor from the tailpipe. So cool. Giving you the choice on how to reduce carbon emissions and move closer to Toyota's Beyond Zero Vision. Visit toyota.com slash electrified vehicles slash beyond dash zero dash vision. Toyota, let's go places. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hey, this is Bridget. And this is Emily. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Before we dive into today's topic, I want to just give a quick reminder for those of you who are interested in hanging out with me in Denver, Colorado next week. I am co-hosting a Women in Podcasting meetup and really just anyone who loves podcasting and wants to hang out and talk podcasting with me and Kat Jaffe from House of Pod, a new podcasting co-working space in Denver. We're hosting a free get-together Tuesday night, February 13th. Find all the details on bossedup.org's homepage right under the top banner, and you can find the details in Stuff Mom Never Told You's Twitter and Instagram feeds. Hope to see you there. Happy Black History Month! It's February, and you know what that means. It is the month where we remember and amplify and uplift all the cultural contributions of black folks. You're welcome, y'all. We've given y'all so much. (laughs) So much. You're welcome, Miley Cyrus. You're right. Actually, she, well, you know how I feel about her. Uh, We have a whole episode. Yeah, go listen to it. You know how I feel. Um, Yeah, Black History Month is a a fun month for me. Um, When I was young and in school, I grew up kind of love hating it. You know, I knew every February we would get to read about the historical figures and writers that I actually like really, really cared about. But going to a pretty white school, February was always, you know, oh, here's our month. Here's the time where we actually learn about folks of color. And then we'll go back to our regularly scheduled schooling where we don't hear much about them for the rest of the year. So even though I grew up really looking forward to it, I also was like, oh, here we go. Yeah, I mean, there's something about it that feels like you should be celebrating someone giving you breadcrumbs instead of including you in the 
meal. That is exactly how I would describe how it felt growing up. It felt a bit compartmentalizing. And I always feel that while it's really great and important to celebrate the legacy of Black folks in America, I often felt, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to have a special month where it was just something that we did as a people all the time, that we were advocating for the achievements and the cultural impact of all the various groups that make our world so rad. Right. And not just doing it, you know, oh, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. Oh, it's Black History Month. Oh, it's Women's History Month. What would a world look like if we just had equal representation of the diverse tapestry that is our world all the time? I think that's the tension between efforts around inclusion versus efforts that feel othering, you know? Exactly. Even though I like it, it always felt a bit othering. And when you're the only black girl in a mostly white school, oftentimes when it's Black History Month, people are like, hey, Bridget, tell us about history. Oh, it's February. You know what that means? (laughs) It can get a little Bridget. (laughs) I can just see a whole class full of Catholic schoolgirls with their plaid skirts turning to you. So, Bridget, tell us about black history. (laughs) That is not incorrect. That's not that's not a wrong assumption of how it went down. I'm sure if you're for our black listeners, I'm sure, you know, you probably had that moment in school where it's time to talk about slavery or Martin Luther King and everyone looks at you like you knew them personally or that you were there. You're like, I wasn't there. I can give you no. I can't help you. <laughs> yeah, so I definitely grew up. Wait, time out. Didn't Donald Trump just do that? Do you know them? Are they your friends? The yeah, Black Caucus? It was, it was, um, he asked April Ryan, yes. an incredibly respected journalist, whether she could help set up a meeting between him and the Congressional Black Caucus. Because y'all know each other. Right, and she was like, first of all, I'm not your secretary, so you probably have someone who could do that for you. Second of all, I don't, it's not like I'm friends with all of them, like I know them. Yeah, you, me, Frederick Douglass, uh, and the Black Caucus. The exactly. Black Congressional Caucus. We're all, we're all good friends. Exactly, exactly. So for all the shade I'm throwing, I actually really do enjoy and appreciate Black History Month. I know that my favorite Black History Month began with a Super Bowl performance by Beyonce performing Freedom wearing basically a cute version of a Black Panther outfit and dancing around. And I was screaming at my TV. <laughs> and I remember tweeting, oh, this is going to be the best Black History Month ever. <laughs> so it's not like I it's not like I don't appreciate it. So for as much shade as I do throw, I do think it's important to respect and amplify the contributions of Black folks in February and remember our important legacy and heritage in America. Yes. So let's take a look at how Black History Month became Black History Month, when this all started. So back in the early 20th century, Carter Woodson, who happens to be today's Google Doodle, Bridget. And we happen to be just a block away from Carter Woodson Park here in D.C. Oh, no Fun way. Fun fact. Awesome. He was earning a master's degree from the University of Chicago and a Ph.D. from Harvard. Ever heard of it? Yeah. <laughs> both degrees in history when he witnessed how black people were completely underrepresented in not only conversation, but books, textbooks on history. And basically, the way that many historians were teaching American history at the time, African Americans barely made the cut, barely made the narrative, which we all know is a huge disservice, and not to mention factually in accurate. So in 1915, Carter Woodson and Jesse Moreland founded the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History, now known as the Association for the Study of African American Life and History. The organization would promote studying black history as a discipline and celebrating the accomplishments of African Americans. Later in 1926, Woodson and the ASALH launched, quote, Negro History Week to bring attention to his mission and help school systems coordinate their focus on the topic. 
He's quoted as saying, if race has no history, it has no worthwhile tradition. It becomes a negligible factor in the thought of the world and it stands in danger of being exterminated. So basically his whole thing was that if we didn't study and amplify and uplift the cultural impact of black folks, then our contributions would just be lost and that no one would advocate for its study if we did not kind of make that special push to do so. And he really underscores the fact that what makes the history books is always political. I mean, whoever the winners of history are, write history. Exactly. And it's so important in dismantling white supremacy to acknowledge the kind of bias and blind spots that exist in the very way we talk about history of our country. Or the way we don't talk about it. Like, who gets included, who gets left out. And I think Woodson... That's what I find so radical about him is that he really thought, you know, hey, I'm going to advocate to make sure that our stories get told and that our place in history is not forgotten. Right. So Woodson ended up establishing February as Black History Month. And it's commonly said that his reasoning had to do with the birthdays of two great Americans who played such a prominent role in shaping black history. Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln have birthdays on the 14th and 12th, respectively. But most importantly, he chose February for tradition. So as we know, February is when Lincoln was assassinated and one of the most commonly cited figures in black history, Frederick Douglass, was born. And so for a lot of black folks since the 1890s, that was just sort of a time to celebrate and a time to Remember Black past and Black identity. And really, the idea caught on and spread very quickly. Later, during the Civil Rights Movement, freedom schools in the South really embraced the concept and including Black history more explicitly in its curriculum as a way to contribute to the mission. But it wasn't enough that communities of color were celebrating Black History Month. It really wasn't until relatively recently that Black History Month became something more celebrated in the mainstream. Back in the mid-1960s, the most popular eighth-grade U.S. history textbook only included two black people in the entire century of history that had transpired since the Civil War. And that problem could no longer be ignored. So it was in the 60s that colleges and universities across the country really started to embrace Black History Month as a part of the traditions on college campuses. It's not at all surprising to me that this really took off on college campuses and in schools, you know, because if your task is teaching and shaping the minds of the next generation and they're only learning about two black people, that's a problem. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that schools and campuses took it among themselves to try to rectify this a little bit. And the fact that Black History Month took off with such fervor, I think really goes to show how much thirst people have about learning about their own history, their own stories and seeing themselves reflected in those stories. We'll talk more about why that matters after this quick break. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, 
how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kid-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. And we're back, just talking through my complicated but mostly loving feelings about Black History Month. So as much as I love Black History Month, one thing that frustrates me time and time again, you guessed it, patriarchy. Few things escaped getting mired by patriarchy and Black History Month is no different. When you think about Black History Month, you often think of figures like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. Frederick uh, Douglass. Right. You think of mostly men. Now, sometimes they include a few women. Uh, Madam C.J. Walker is often included a lot. If you don't know who she is, she revolutionized the hair care industry. First self-made millionaire. Yes. Woman in the United States. Like an early boss. By the way, she started her business in like two neighborhoods away from my current neighborhood in Denver. Stop it. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Did you know that in the mountains of Colorado is where some of the first African-American retreats and camps just for black people are? I did not know that. I learned that in the Museum of Colorado and I need to do an episode on it. Okay, so I've all, this is like my own ignorance. I've always thought of Colorado as kind of a white state. It totally is. But this is so cool. Now I need a trip to Colorado. It has the most fascinating black history. You have to come visit. Who knew? Side note. (laughs) Madam C.J. Walker, she got her start in five points in Denver. When it comes to, that's not where she was born, but that's where her business was born. That's so cool. I had no idea. Total boss. Damn. Right? I think of her almost every time I fall asleep without my bonnet on. If you're a black woman, you know what that means. Uh, whenever I fall asleep without it on, I think of her being like, Bridget. Get it together. Get it together. I did not create an empire for you to mess up your hair. <laughs> so shout out to Madam CJ Walker. <gasps> so there are women figures that you hear about. You hear about her, Rosa Parks sometimes. I feel like you hear about the women in such a way that they're just punctuation marks. They don't get their full story told. They're sort of supporting cast members. It's not fair. They never get seem to get the kind of attention of a true protagonist. They are almost treated as supporting cast members, supporting characters in the story of Black history. That's exactly right. Keisha N. Blaine, an assistant professor of history at the University of Pittsburgh, writes at Newsweek, Black nationalist movements would have all but disappeared were it not for women. What's more, these women laid the groundwork for the generation of Black activists who came of age during the civil rights Black power era. In the 1960s, many black activists, including Ella Baker, Fannie Lou Hammer, Robert F. Williams, Malcolm X, and Stokely Carmichael, drew on these women's ideas and political strategies. And so really what you see in the civil rights movement, especially, is black women being pushed aside in the margins, even though they were the backbone of many of these movements. Doesn't that kind of sound like the conversations we have about the modern day Democratic Party? Yes. I mean, (laughs) this is... 
I like I'll be here all day. <laughs> I know. Yes, plus a hundred. You see that time and time and time and time again, where women, particularly black women, tend to be in the background of so many powerful and impactful social and political movements. So for me, if women aren't there, I am not about it. Yeah, as Catherine J. Kennedy, the director of Boston University's Howard Thurman Center said, most of these women were, quote, volunteers, women in the churches who cooked the meals and made sure all the preparations were made, the ones who cleaned up after the rallies and got ready for the next one. Most women who are sincerely interested in making a difference are not looking for the publicity for it. Making true differences doesn't always come with fanfare. That is so true. It does remind me quite a bit of our episode on running for office with Aaron Velarde, because time and time again, the research suggests that women get involved in political movements because they want to make impactful change and less so because they want to be, you know, the face of the movement or have a really powerful, glamorous, flashy position within a movement. And I think it's so important to remember these unsung real powerhouses that kept these movements running. And we don't. We don't think about the women cooking the meals, cleaning up, the women who kept things running smoothly so these movements could operate, we don't really remember them, and I think we should. And I think that's my overall beef with Black History Month, is that it encourages us to see power and change as glamorous, flashy work that will always get you remembered and always get you a section of the history books. And I think that encourages us to forget that it's not always so flashy and not always so glamorous, and that sometimes you're cooking meals and cleaning up after people And that doesn't mean that you're not someone who should be remembered for your contributions. Totally. And I think that's a lasting lesson, right? That is as true today as it ever has been. Let's talk more about some of these so-called hidden figures after this quick break. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. And we're back. And we were just talking about some of our feelings on Black History Month and why we don't tend to remember the women. 
And I wanted to spend a moment talking about some of my favorite women of the civil rights movement and women that I hope get their due during Black History Month. Now, just keep in mind that we could do an entire episode on all of these women, or really a series, because they have so many dynamic parts to who they are. And it still wouldn't do them justice, because their contributions are manyfold. Absolutely. But I just wanted to take a minute to remember some of these forgotten voices. So first is one of my favorites, Ella Baker. Ella Baker was a very, very charismatic labor leader, and she was someone who interestingly believed that political power shouldn't be focused too much on leaders. And so she was someone who didn't really get her due a lot of times because she thought, hey, this isn't about me. This isn't about one person. It's about all of us, which I love. Right. But as a longtime organizer, though, she did later become the national director of the NAACP. And in 1957, she joined the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, whose first president was a guy you may have heard of before, Martin Luther King Jr. She worked with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee to support civil rights activism on college campuses. And it was a major player in the civil rights movement. And today we actually have the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights, which is probably one of my favorite lefty organizations based where else in Oakland, California. The Ella Baker Center is really all about making sure that low income folks and folks of color have their political and social issues amplified and advocated for. Another figure that I love is one that you might not have even ever heard of, Septima Clark. So what's so cool about her is that she really used education as a kind of radical weapon to politicize people. Doesn't this sound familiar, Bridget Todd? Former Professor Todd? Listen, I was very clear that when I was in the classroom, my whole goal was to create little radical Bridget Todds to go out like a little a little rad army. <laughs> and they like and didn't you say later that they kind of spurred you on to be more of an activist? Yeah, I thought I was teaching them, but they were teaching me. And Septima Clark really taught all of us, often called the queen mother of the civil rights movement. She was an educator not only of children, but also taught literacy classes for adults, pushing for education and an equal rights agenda in a whole bunch of activist organizations, including the Young Women's Christian Association, the Federation of Women's Clubs, the Council of Negro Women, and most importantly, the NAACP. Exactly. I love how she used literacy and teaching and training in this kind of alternative way to build political power. We don't often think about teaching and educating as a way to build power, and we should. I mean, for me, as a former political trainer... That's the only way that you build power. Yeah. I'm sure you know a little something about As that too. <laughs> founded a training company. Yes, that's so true. It's such a huge part of organizing and building power from the ground up, from the grassroots up. I love that. We should have more famous political trainers. Period. Yeah. Full stop. Like when I was working as a political trainer, people would say, what does that mean? What do you do? I don't think that people think of training or teaching or education as a political tactic. So but true. It, for me, it's like there is not a more powerful political tactic. Well... That's why you need to run for office and popularize this shit, because Barack Obama brought community organizer the term, the, the title. He elevated that title. He exactly. elevated that role. It's time for us to elevate political trainer. Oh, God. I'll never forget when I got my first job as an organizer. An organizer was like on my business card, handing it to someone in an airport and him being like, his first thing was like closets. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm an organizer. And he said, oh, cl- like California closets? And I said, no, like... Go out and vote. <laughs> I love it. So I, I think that I'm, I'm, this was pre Obama. So, right. you know, we didn't, we didn't know yet. Maybe that communication strategy on your uh, <laughs> business card placement of that word didn't quite do the trick. Exactly. The exactly. But it, again, it's so important. And 
Septima is one of my heroes as a former educator. And I just I think people should more people should know about her and they should know about education and training as a tactic. Yeah. I mean, she was a big part of the Southern Christian Leadership Council marches and protests, working closely with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And later in life, when Dr. King received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964, he insisted that she accompany him to receive the award in Sweden. So that just goes to show you how impactful this woman was, yet people don't talk about her. Yeah. Know her name, y'all. Septima Poinsett Clark. And one final figure we really want to highlight when it comes to women of the civil rights era and women who are left out of our Black History Month celebrations far too often is Fannie Lou Hamer. As a Mississippi sharecropper, Fannie was beaten and jailed in 1962 for having the audacity of trying to register to vote. She later ended up co-founding the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party and gave a fiery speech at the 1964 Democratic National Convention. Let's hear a bit from her powerful speech. All of this is on account of we want to register to become first-class citizens. And if the Freedom Democratic Party is not seated now, I question America. Is this America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, where we have to sleep with our telephones off of the hook because our lives be threatened daily because we want to live as decent human beings in America. Thank you. Wow. You can imagine why she's one of my heroes. What I love about her is that she just has such a forceful presence. When I think about the power of Black women's political organizing, she's the first person that comes to my mind always. And she's known for coining all these phrases that I use all the time. She coined the phrase, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, which I probably say all the time. My mom used to say it to me all the time when I was being annoying. <laughs> Uh, she coined that phrase. And so when I think about someone who really understood the power of making your voice heard, I think about her. Mm-hmm. And she rightfully later earned her spot in the National Women's Hall of Fame. Not someone to be forgotten when we're celebrating black history. Exactly. And again, I just want to be clear. We could go on. We could talk about so many forgotten figures of the civil rights movement and so many black women who don't get their due every February, but should. But we just wanted to give a quick introduction to some of these figures that are, frankly, some of my favorites. Really, this was just a chance for me to geek out on some ladies that I love. So thanks for letting me. Us? <laughs> yeah, no, I think this is so important. And for all of us who are taking part in Black History Month in any way, shape or form, let's make sure that we're bringing gender equality into the equation as well. We know Black women get left out and are too often erased from conversations about gender and conversations exclusively focused on race. Let's not make that mistake. So, Sminty listeners, who are your favorite Black icons? Who do you like to remember every February or hopefully all the time? Are you relishing in Black joy this February as I am? We want to know how you're celebrating this Black History Month. So hit us up on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Get at us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You. And as always, our inbox is open at MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com.